Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and alongside me once again, it's the woman that single-handedly holds Sky Sports News together. It's the wonderful Hayley McQueen. Hi Hayley. I shan't tell my colleagues, but thank you for that. (laughs) I'll take it. My best to all of the other presenters on Sky Sports News, of course. Um, And we're without Lindsay today, Mm -hmm. Hayley, because she's currently sunning herself in a tropical honeymoon destination. So we hope she's enjoying some time on the Sun Lounger. But I feel like we've bought in a replacement with nearly as many credits in terms of broadcast as she works for um, as Lindsay has. So it kind of feels like a really good uh, one-for-one replacement. It's broadcaster for Charlie Bardwaj. How are you, Vashali? I'm really well. And I have to say, it's really nice to be back as well because I haven't been back on the pod for a, a couple so of seasons, long. I think. Yes. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it. I'm not sure why you haven't been on in that long, by the way. So don't take it personally. I think it's just <laughs> Hayley, Lindsay and I here. We're too uh, available. <laughs> yes. But Charlie, of course, works for the Premier League, Amazon Prime, Sky Sports, mm-hmm. Five Live. So you get what I'm saying about her being a woman of multiple broadcasting talents. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you found this season, Vishali? Has it been super, super busy for you? Yeah, I, I feel like it's been busier than last season, but it's probably been about the same but yeah it should have been really busy um you know i've got these live shows i do during the week doing all of the sort of pre-match interviews with the players doing all the games as well so it's just been non-stop really but i have to say i've been to some fantastic games this season so it just feels like the premier league's been gone to another level this season in terms of drama and entertainment and yeah i have to say goals conceded as well just feels like there's more goals going in yeah <laughs> more good yeah. goals going in as well so yeah, i've enjoyed exactly. it i'm being unpredictable as well isn't it everything's yeah. quite unpredictable definitely but that makes for drama and entertainment mm. so for me it's been fun the last time we spoke to you Vishali, um i don't think you were doing stuff for sky sports so that's definitely a new string to your bow how have you found that because obviously you know normally traditionally you'd be out and about reporting from games but you've been doing some studio stuff for sky sports as well has that been an okay pivot for you you were kind of um, originally a written journalist so you're adding adding different strings <laughs> to your bow but how, how how have you found kind of being in a studio setup like that well firstly I love being indoors when it's cold <laughs> so actually I mean I love reporting I love being outdoors but it is quite nice just here and there just to be inside when it's raining outside um no I've really enjoyed it actually I, I kind of thought ahead of the season that I'd like to try out presenting just to see if I enjoyed it and mm. yeah I was doing the sports bulletins on Sky News and uh, I really enjoyed it you know I love it's just a completely yeah. different skill set isn't it um, mm. bringing to life what you're reading on the auto queue and just kind of listening to what people are saying in your ears and keeping to the times and so yeah, I've really enjoyed it it's been a, a good I think a string to my bow to add yeah and the last time we spoke to you Charlie, mm-hmm. I've just had a flashback it was before the pandemic really kicked off and do you remember coming into our old studio Vishali with loads of um, antibacterial hand gel and washing down your phone (laughs) and telling me about how your mum and your uh, sort of home life is very anti-backed anyway. Uh, Yeah. Big, big fan of Dettol. And Lindsay and I were were kind of amazed because it was 
it had to be early February, I think. And we were amazed by this, by this diligence. Little did we know that we'd be living by the rule of anti-backhand gel for quite some months after that. So um, an early adapter, we need to applaud you for that, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> it's do the way you still forward. wipe down your phone? <laughs> yep, every day after I come back home from work. <laughs> there you I go. actually wipe down everything in my bag um, and I can't really? get out of the habit now. And um, really? yeah, it's killing my social life because I'm taking an hour to do it every day. God, I was going to say, if I blooming wiped down everything in my bag, I wouldn't get anything done. You should see my bag. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But, you know, maybe hopefully I'll get out of the habit soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I remember washing down food as well during the pandemic, like, you know, going going for a supermarket shop and washing down food. Um, but what it means is Vishal is not, own, not only one of the most experienced broadcasters now, but she's also the most hygienic as well, uh, <laughs> never knowingly without a whiff of Dettol to her. Uh, look, it's great to have you on, Vishali. We're going to head into the show in just a second. Before we do, just a reminder that you can subscribe on your favourite podcasting app to the show. You can also get in touch with us at Offside Rule pod and at offsiderulepodcast.com um, we'll be by the way running some exclusive stuff on the website around the Arnold Clark Cup which is the big kind of mini international tournament coming mm-hmm. up in the women's game so a quick pointer really to head over to the Offside Rule for coverage from Jesse Parker Humphreys on that tournament all right well coming up on the show with Piers Morgan making more headlines this week for his ridiculous take that David Beckham was an overrated footballer isn't that ridiculous uh, we round up the show with our very own hot take and with more and more English players not only playing but shining abroad, we're going to bring you an update on how our Brits abroad are doing outside these shores. But first, with Raheem Sterling having bagged yet another hat-trick at the weekend, we want to ask and debate whether the 27-year-old can be considered an all-time great in the Premier League yet, and which other Premier League stars would also be in the conversation when we talk about all-time greats. current all-time greats, if that's not too much of an oxymoron. This weekend saw Raheem Sterling score a hat-trick in Man City's comfortable 4-0 win over Norwich, which maintained their nine-point lead over Liverpool at the top of the league, Liverpool beating Burnley 1-0 on Sunday. There was a lot of talk online and on social media afterwards about whether Raheem Sterling at 27 could be considered a Premier League all-time great. Is he at that stage yet? So today, let's evaluate Ladies' claim and assess whether any other Premier League stars could also be considered all-time great. Of course, you don't normally get into that category, do you, until a little later on in your career. But let's let's broach Raheem Sterling, first of all. Mm. Um, but Charlie, does he, does he fit into this category yet? He's only 27, but he's certainly got a, a lot of footballing years behind him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yesterday when he scored against Sporting Lisbon in the Champions mm. League, he's actually now 10th on the list of uh, Man City's all-time highest goal scorers. And you're thinking he's 27. I know he's been there for seven years, but that's incredible. The fact that he's broken mm. into that top 10. And if you're looking at the seven years, 127 goals in that time, 88 goals in the Premier League, since we are talking about Premier League all-time mm. greats. Mm. And you're thinking about just the sheer number of goals he scored, the sheer number of trophies, of course, that he has won. You'd have to say that he is definitely going down that route of, I think when he retires, we'll be able to say for sure, uh, that he, he will be definitely considered one of the Premier League greats as a footballer if he continues down his trajectory. And, and I'd say as well, if he does stay at City, 
or in the Premier League for you know the entirety of his career, I think we could definitely say that because he's achieved and won it all apart from the Champions League. Yeah, that's that's obviously facilitated by the team he's at as well in mm. City. Um, although he did have a great record as a Liverpool player um, as well. I absolutely loved loved watching him for Liverpool. But I guess we have to balance this off with the teams that he's played for. Um, and also, Hayley, as for Charlotte saying there, she's saying, mm. yes, but maybe not yet. I do not yet, but look at look at look at the competitions he's scoring goals in inconsistently. You mentioned eighty-eight goals for City in the Premier League. Add to that twenty-four in the Champions League, eight in the FA Cup, six in the League Cup. He's also scored in the Community Shield as well. And when you look at where he's placed in terms of being an Englishman at the top of his game, it's so healthy to see that he's now joint second with Paul Scholes on the list of highest scoring Englishmen. In, in the Champions League, there's actually only Wayne Rooney who's got more. And then he needs, what, six more goals, which he's absolutely going to do. And he's going to surpass mm. it to move even further up um, with Billy Gillespie and, and Fred Tilson, just to bring out a few a few names yeah. from the past. But so wonderful to see that he is, it's just like he's getting better and better as each season goes and just more confident as well, isn't he? When you talk about Raheem Sterling maybe being of legendary status now, does the number of goals he's scored right now going to automatically slot him into that position? Drogba, he's beaten Didier Drogba, 104 goals uh, for Drogba. Obviously, Sterling's on 106 goals, as you mentioned, Hayley. But Giggs, 109, Ian Wright, 113, Gerard 120. is not a million miles away from those players, of course. And in terms of hat-tricks, and this is what makes greats, doesn't it? Ent- entertaining mm. moments, moments of extreme skill and ability. His hat-trick at the weekend has meant he scored five in the Premier League. Only eight wow. players in the history of the Premier League have scored more. So is there an argument here to say that he slots into that all-time great position right now? I think it's hard, isn't it? Because he hasn't always had an amazing time for City. He's had a really good couple of seasons. So I wonder if we do just need to wait and see the proof being in the pudding a little bit later down the line. But how how nice to celebrate a player right now and talk with them as a great, as opposed to yeah. sort of after their career and think, God, I didn't realise how great he was or how wonderful mm. he was. And maybe we didn't appreciate them as, as much at the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, a player who's had so much criticism across yeah. not just yeah. playing for and City, actually but with playing it. for England. Exactly. And the fact that he just continues to get better and better. And also, I think just the, the, the type of goals he scores. I mean, that third, first one against Norwich was amazing. And also yesterday, mm. the one against Sporting Lisbon. I mean, there's some fantastic goals in there as well. So I think we should just praise players like him because, um, you know, when he retires, you're going to miss his goals. And City yeah. certainly will. Also, off the pitch as well, you know, I think... Yes, when you talk about Premier League greats, of course, it's got to be about goals, but it's also got to be about who they are as a person and what they stand for as well. And Raheem Sterling has certainly been outspoken when it comes to things like topics like racism as well and how that's affected him and how as he gets older, he's he's, you know, developing a real voice here talking about that. So off the pitch, I think there's something to argue um, that he will become a great as well. For Charlie, when we talk about players right now, I know you're saying that you've got to wait a bit for Sterling, but players right now who slot into that Premier League great category can we argue that Mo Salah has achieved that already yeah and I was gonna uh, talk about him because in four and a half years at Liverpool he's got 148 goals I mean that is just incredible he's, he's got two golden boot awards as well so for me it's not just the fact that he has got those golden boots but the fact that he's been consistent ever since he joined in terms of being 
there or thereabouts in terms of being the top scorers in the Premier League. And and some of his goals, so this season, he is the top scorer in the Premier League and he's been away for a month at the Africa Cup of Nations, which is incredible. Exactly. If you think about some of his goals as well, the hat-trick against United at Old Trafford, I mean, as a Liverpool player, that is the dream, isn't it? Scoring a hat-trick at Old Trafford against your arch-rivals. Mm-hmm. But then also, he scored two against Everton at Goodison Park as well this season. So I think he just turns up in any game and every game. And he obviously, can be relied upon, looking, can't he? That's it. That's yeah. it. I think ever since he joined, he has been consistent and he's taken his game to the next level every single season. And so that's why I feel like right now, if you asked, well, I, certainly if you asked a Liverpool fan, um, people would consider him a Premier League great. And then you're looking at the fact that he's won the Premier League, obviously. Uh, he's won the Champions League. He's won the Super Cup and the Club World Cup as well. So we've got but trophies has there. He won, has, has he won enough trophies, Hayley, to be considered a great? I don't know. I just wondered, do you need to win trophies to be considered a great? Because there are actually players who've won a ton of trophies that might not necessarily be the greatest player. I think there's a couple that spring to mind for Chelsea, actually. But I don't know. I think if Egypt had have won the Africa Cup of Nation, whilst obviously they, they that's not a club honour, I think that would have elevated him for sure and maybe even got one of the players of, of, of the tournament awards there. But I don't know. Is there still time for him to win things at Liverpool's winning the league? Not not enough when it was so competitive. He may yet win the Carabao Cup, of course. <laughs> well, the huge one. The huge trophy. Carabao Cup. The huge, yeah. We think about Steven Gerrard, who is considered a Premier League great, and rightly so because of his form and what he meant to Liverpool and his leadership qualities, but he never won the Premier League. And he's still able to be considered a great. And and what I would say about Mo Salah Mm. as well is, I think it's the enjoyment you get when you watch him play. I think that's what also makes him such a great player because genuinely, I'll never forget the goal he scored against Chelsea in January. I was there, it was at the end that I was sitting in as well. And it's just one of those memorable moments that you just can never forget. It's just the way that he, looks so cool and composed whenever he's in such a tight angle and you're thinking any other player will just get the nerves and he just seems to enjoy the the difficulty of those chances and then he just runs away smiling yeah <laughs> like he just he makes he it look effortless doesn't he? absolutely and his goal scoring record speaks for itself um i would i mean no surprises here. I'm a Liverpool fan, but I would put him already into that all-time great uh, category yeah, because I, I, I think would. we're only going to see more of him. And one of the true tests for me, actually, is kids walking around with his name on the back of their shirt. There are more than the average number yeah. of sellers, mini sellers out there, <laughs> mm-hmm. aren't there? He's caught the imagination of the hearts of football fans, young and old. And I think, you know, particularly when it comes to the next gen, talking about those players who influenced them and who they adored when they were younger, I think Mo Salah easily fits into that category. Um, we need to perhaps throw a few other names in here. So Hayley, give mm-hmm. me another contender, another Premier League player you think could be classed as an all-time great. Okay, well, I have gone for a Manchester United player. <laughs> Surprise! It's someone, yeah, it's someone that has won the Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup the Community Shield three times and that his previous team of Atletico Madrid won the Europa League and the UEFA Super Cup as well. I think it's David De Gea and I think he's having an incredible season. I really do. I've been really happy with him so far this season. Maybe had a little bit more work to do than I would um, 
than than I'd hope <laughs> or expect of a Manchester United side. But again, it's um, another underperforming season with some underwhelming performances and results. But I think he's really, yeah. really had to work very hard. But that I always remember watching him stop that goal against um, against Wolves. It was Ruben Neves who'd scored that stunning volley in January and he just leaped up. It was incredible. And I was just like, do you know what? You are a great, he's been playing in the Premier League now for what, I think it's 10 seasons. Should have checked my stats before <laughs> I uh, started going off on one here. Um, joining United, yeah, in 2011. So it's 10 years of being at United. And on many occasions, we very nearly lost him to Real Madrid. There was that one year that it looked like he possibly was going to sign for Real Madrid, but actually had a bit of a poor season. You thought, oh, as soon as Iker Casillas is gone, we're going to lose David De Gea. I don't think keepers get enough recognition. So I want to make a case for a goalkeeper who I think achieves, I think, every time he has competition coming in, um, he manages to, to oust them. He's now surpassed Mark Hughes. Um, in all-time appearances. He's 18 clean sheets of Peter Schmeichel's record of 180, and he was an absolute great. United have been really lucky because we had Edwin van der Sar as well. He was one of the greatest players because of what he won at United. But I think David De Gea, because of his consistency, mm. and actually now become the first goalkeeper to win the Player of the Month award <laughs> since 2016. First goalkeeper in six years, can wow. you believe? Yeah, um, Fraser, Fraser Foster picked that up. He's had a lot of criticism, but when he's come under pressure, he's he's dealt with it really well. And I just think we will look back and 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 you know look and at recognize him, as him one of the greats. Particularly yeah. if he stays at the club, you forget how long he's been there. And of course, United fans uh, fell out with him over that transfer saga, really. And it did look it did look tricky for him. And there have been bouts of poorer form, but. For his longevity and his overall consistency, I think when you when you pan it all out, I think there's a shout there definitely. Um, for Charlie, I was just going to say that he's having this resurgence, isn't he, in terms of form this season? Yes. And if you think about just how bad that United defence have been, the fact that he has bailed them out time and time again in, in several matches this season, I just think it shows you mm. his character. I've interviewed yeah. I interviewed him actually twice this season, and in both of the games, he was man of the match because he was just so good. Um, and he seems to be enjoying his football again as well. Despite obviously the on-field problems that the team have had, at least he is performing solidly. So I think, and I like the fact that Hayley, you've actually gone for a goalkeeper because I think you're right. Goalkeepers, defenders as well, and midfielders sometimes don't get enough recognition. I think the, the forwards take the limelight, don't they? They do. Let's go through a few other names, quick fire then ladies, because we are running out of time on this. But I'd like a vote for a different player from you, for Charlie, and a couple of lines on why. So I'm going to go with another Liverpool player, surprise, surprise, in Virgil van Dijk. And again, it kind of ties in with what I said about Mohamed Salah in that when you watch him play, you actually enjoy watching him play. And he's a defender. I think mm. what it is, is it's just how cool and composed he always is. And I feel like he has inspired the next generation of, of players, maybe who are going down the football route, uh, thinking about, you know, the, the art of defending. I think that's what he's made people think about. He's just such a, I think, classy character, isn't he, yeah. on the pitch. And he kind of exudes this um, this aura around him. And he can score a goal or two as well. 
So um, I think I'd have to say Virgil yeah. Van Dyke. I think he soon have... enough he will be considered a great. Yeah, he he definitely has the makeup of an icon. It, it, you know the way he yeah. presents himself, his presence on the pitch, his look even as well, I suppose. And also mm. he passes the young kids shirt test. If you love your defenders, <laughs> if you wanted to be a defender when you're older, it's his name that's on your back. The the only thing that I would say counts against him is when you look at Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Tony Adams, they're all English defenders and they've really cemented their place as some of the all-time great Premier League defenders because mm. of their England career as well. And that's obviously what Virgil van Dijk will never have. But just for his sheer ability and his presence, his aura, you're absolutely right to point out that. Yeah. And I think it's and, and transformative effective as well yes. at Liverpool. Yes. Once he signed, yeah. that was it. You know, that team just changed almost overnight. Yeah. Um, I'm going to quickly vote for... Harry Kane. Now this season, you're going to laugh at me for saying that, aren't you? We know he's not settled at the moment. We know his form isn't great. But I just want to put this season to one side and talk about overall what he's contributed to Tottenham and also to English football as well. You know, last season, 35 games, 23 goals, 14 assists, 18 goals in 29 games the season before. He's spent, and and he's one of those players that, that has spent so far his career, you know, largely at, well, purely at one top flight club. We know that that's going to change likely uh, and he's going to head to Manchester United, whether it's Maurizio Pochettino, Eric Ten Hag or whoever takes charge. I think he will he will be able to display his greatness there. For me, you know, again, names on the back of shirts. He is one of those footballers that manages to capture the imagination and inspire the younger generation yet. And I know he's not quite there yet and this season has derailed it, but I honestly think Harry Kane... You know, if he's not there quite yet because he's had a funny season, he definitely will be a Premier League all-time great. Haley, a vote for anyone else? Yeah, what about a non-sexy name that you could have <laughs> on the back of your shirt? And one for the future, I think Phil Foden, he's still so young, of course, but look at what he's won if we talk about um, achievements. Three Premier League titles, four League Cups, an FA Cup. He's won the PFA Young Player of the Year. He scored 21 goals, provided 11 assists in 86 games. And yes, whilst he was born in Stockport, he does kind of look like... He could have been born in Spain because of the way that he marauds around uh, the midfield, although his surname is very, 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 very English. But again, I just wanted to highlight uh, a British player yeah, doing too soon really for good me, things. I think, on, on a bit Foden. too soon, but if, if he keeps it up, I think he absolutely will be. Uh, you could also mention Kevin De Bruyne as well. Oh, and yeah. There's yeah, lo- loads more names, um, I'm sure. Uh, get get in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod um, for your Premier League all-time greats. They have to be current players, remember. Let's move on then and look at how some... This is this this is a very, a very English Premier League-heavy podcast <laughs> so far, but we're going to look now at English players and how they're performing abroad. Sunday night, Tammy Abraham scored from the penalty spot in Roma's two-all draw with Sassuolo. It kept Mourinho's side in seventh, six points behind fourth place Juventus at the time of recording. Today, we want to talk about how our English contingent playing abroad are getting on. We'll have a little check-in. Just seven months to go until the World Cup in Qatar as well. So we should have a little think about whether any of them are in the reckoning for a spot on the plane to the Middle East. Vashali, who do you want to take? Well, since you mentioned Tammy Abraham, I'm going to say 
Abraham if he continues this um, consistent form that he's showing at the moment at Roma because he's got 18 goals in all competitions and if you look at the the spread of the goals it's just been consistent you know it hasn't had sort of patches where he scored loads of goals and he's gone I don't know like a, through a goal drought for example he's just been scoring them quite regularly and you have to think about all of the the struggles that Roma have undergone as well this season and I'm really pleased for him I have to say because um I covered Chelsea quite closely when he was there and you know in his breakthrough season he was just such a breath of fresh air to see another Cobham Academy graduate come through, be the top scorer under Frank Lampard. It did feel like maybe this was the start of, of a new era at Chelsea where the Cobham Academy graduates come into the first team and stay there for years and years. Um, and he was the top scorer of the season afterwards. But of course, you know, once Thomas Tuchel came in, um, he, he barely got into the matchless squad. It was obviously disappointing for him. But I think to have put behind that disappointment, to have gone abroad, to have been brave to do that. And I love seeing play, English players going abroad, if, you know, if it's not working out for them here. Um, and, and to have sort of taken on this new life and to still be doing well. Um, mm. I think if he continues this, he has got to be in that England squad, despite how many good players Gareth Southgate has got to pick from up front. Yeah, I think it's harder, isn't it, if you're playing abroad? You definitely have to be exceptional rather than just good and mm. would be a useful squad team player. Hayley, who have you been looking at? OK, well, I've looked at Reese Oxford and the fact that he's out there having um, played for a little while for Borussia Mönchengladbach on loan from West Ham and has now decided to stay playing in the Bundesliga. And he's uh, signed with Augsburg and they were so keen to snap him up. Um, the sporting director spoke of him in really glowing terms. He said, you know, he's developed into an absolute key player for us. Not only is very important for our game defensively, he's extremely dangerous from set pieces he's actually played 53 times apart from the opening game of the season that he missed through injuries played every single minute at the heart of the Augsburg defense um so far this season um so he had that loan spell in the Bundesliga a Borussia Mönchengladbach and is just yeah really really enjoying life um he said himself he, he thinks he's become much better more developed he said I've, I've got ample margin for improvement and he said they're the right club for me so he's actually extended his contract until 2025 he's only 22 years old he was a former England youth international whether he'll break through into uh, the senior squad remains to be seen but as, as far as him just going about his business and enjoying himself as a young man in his 20s and taking on a, a, a different cultural experience as well I think is, is Fair really, play really to, him. to see I'm going to pick up the thread actually Hayley on English players performing well in Germany. I think we can make the case for quite a few at the moment. Jude Bellingham has been playing for Dortmund since July 2020, you know, instantly becoming a regular, which at such a young age, when he was 18, when he when he went over there, was such an achievement around such talent as well. In fact, this season, only goalkeeper Gregor Kobel and uh, captain Marco Royce have played more league minutes than Jude Bellingham for Dortmund this season. I suppose my only concern with him, and, and this is throwing it forward as well, is if and when he comes back, or I think probably when he comes back to the Premier League, Jude Bellingham, um, will he suffer from a bit of what Jaden Sancho's had to deal with, that kind of adapting back into it, whether there'll be sort of issues there. But in terms of performing right now, Jude Bellingham certainly is someone that gets my vote. I'm, I'm just going to chuck in whilst we're talking Germany. Then I'll shut up. Uh, Omar Richards at Bayern Munich. So he went from Reading to remember last summer to Germany on a four-year contract. And I think in terms of what Julian Nagelsmann was thinking, you know, clearly cover at left back, um, but also using him 
as a bit of a utility player. He's made eight appearances in the league so far, mostly at left back. He's played quite a few Champions League games as well. He's being used as that impact sub and actually Nagelsmann's credited him in that he doesn't appear to need much time to kind of warm into a game. He'll he'll sort of happily use him in that situation. But he's also talked about his versatility and the fact that he brings something a bit different to Kingsley Coman and um, Alfonso Davis as well. Less of a one-on-one player, he's saying. Very, very versatile. So there's clearly opportunities there for Richards. Um, Alfonso Davis or Fonzie as he's called has been out with myocarditis so there's been a bit more opportunity but I think you know again to be credited Omar Richards not you know a fairly young player still um, coming from a championship side to a team like Bayern Munich and actually settling in pretty well so far. Hayley let's finish up with you and a brief shout for someone. Yeah, it's similar to, to Abraham, um, for Kaya Tomori as well. Yeah. Obviously, you know, deemed not good enough for Chelsea, loaned out to Milan in January by Lampard. And then uh, they made it permanent in the summer for 28 million, might I add. Um, but in the year that he's been there, he's he's managed to oust the captain, Alessio Romagnoli, uh, and become a real key player there. He spent a month on the sidelines. He had a few problems, but um, played the last couple of games and helped them keep a clean sheet against Sampdoria. The top of the table for the first time since early December. Capped as well, twice by England. Missed out on that place at Euro 2020. So he might have a bit of a chance of making it, given the form of when you look at Mings, Maguire, dare I say it, and the lack of minutes for other key players like um, Gomez and, and Stone. So, yeah, big up for Kaya Tomori as well mm. for... for heading out there and enjoying life in Italia. (laughs) Again, we'll throw this one out to the listeners. I'm sure there's loads of players uh, that we haven't Mm. mentioned. Um, Obviously, we haven't got the time to to chat on for ages, sadly. Otherwise, we really would be here all afternoon. Um, But yeah, uh, any votes for English players you think are doing particularly well abroad? Maybe they are stating their case for a place on the plane to Qatar in the winter. Let us know at Offside Rule Pod. A quick reminder too that you can check out the Athletic Women's Football Podcast this week. I'm joined by Welsh OL Reign midfielder Jess Fishlock, named NWSL MVP for the 2021 season. She's a huge deal in America. Welsh roots, played for Reading and doing amazingly at the moment. And I think she's like 34 and still going strong. Uh, We're also joined by Claire Rafferty, former Chelsea and England defender. The Athletics' Michael Cox pops by for some analysis of the weekend's big title decider between Arsenal and Chelsea. And Australian international Caitlin Ford completes the lineup, a megastar lineup, no less for the Athletic Women's Football Podcast that you can download right now. Okay, let's head into hot takes. Hang on to your cups of tea, ladies. Try not to get too annoyed or too wound up. Uh, But on Monday, I mean, this is his job, isn't it? King of Provocation, Piers Morgan, made headlines by claiming that David Beckham, who's played for United, Real Madrid, AC Milan and PSG, was was overrated. England's third most capped player of all time behind Peter Shilton and Wayne Rooney. He's the winner of eight league titles in three countries and a Champions League in 1999. That year, he came second in the Ballon d'Or. So is Piers Morgan clearly being ridiculous, ridiculous on purpose maybe, um, or is there something 
to this. Well, it's certainly got a lot of people very upset and it's probably a good time for us to talk about our own hot takes in football as well. However unpopular you think they might be, ladies, uh, we we want to hear them, get them out on the show this week. First of all, Beckham, I know you're going to say he's one of the greatest players of all time, Hayley. Um, for me, Bashali, technically, mm. is he up there with Ronaldo and Messi? No. Is he one no. of the greatest players of all time? No, is he the greatest yeah. brand? Is he the greatest recognized, most recognizable, one of the most recognizable players of all time? Yes. I don't know if he's the greatest. I don't know if I completely sign myself up to that. I'm, I'm trying to remember what Piers Morgan was actually saying. Did he say he's the most overrated or he's not the greatest? I can't remember exactly what his, his gripe with Beckham was. But what I would say is that when Sir Alex Ferguson was asked about um, I think he was asked about his perfect team or the plays he would choose throughout the whole of his time at United. When he spoke about the midfield, he included Beckham in it. So if Sir Alex Ferguson says Beckham, I'm going to trust him. <laughs> I'm going to go with <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson because who knew him better? Yeah, fair enough. Um, Piers Morgan saying that, that David Beckham was overrated. I'm not even going to throw this one to you, Hayley, because we know what you're going to say. <laughs> so instead... Give me a hot take, Hayley McQueen. Is there something that you've always thought would be a radical idea in football or that you've that you've got an, an unreasonable amount of beef about that you want to share with us? What? Yeah, because I've gone United heavy in terms of being very optimistic and I'm always pro, 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 pro United. This is slightly controversial, but... Um, Dare I even say it, I'm sorry, Manchester United fans. I get really annoyed about the fact that the Theatre of Dreams is not really very dreamy to me. Okay. The atmosphere is disappointing. It can be flat. I was very lucky that for many years got to go and visit my lovely friends who worked at Real Madrid TV and got to go and watch games at the Bernabeu, the New Camp. I even was lucky enough to go and watch Champions League football at Anfield and they far I had a far greater atmospheric experience there than I did at Old Trafford I love Old Trafford I do get you know that tingling feeling when the players run out and it's a really exciting match and I've maybe not been to a game for a while maybe because I haven't been for so many years I can't really realistic remember what it feels like but but watching Man United week in week out I did become a little bit blasé about it and maybe Mm. Manchester United fans did as well but that was during one of the most successful periods of Manchester United's history so if you can't get excited then I used to think oh I'll just the excuse United was so wonderful to watch. Everyone was just quiet and in awe. But I'd rather just hear that buzz, excitement, the chanting, the singing. I remember I remember doing a news report and, and we were having to like come up with songs and we had Pete Boyle in coming up with new chants just to try and raise the volume levels at <laughs> uh, Old Trafford and to get people singing. Like manu- like manufactured someone. crowd noise. So you're basically saying Old Trafford, not all that. <laughs> Which is making yeah. me laugh. Anyway, so, so has that? So I was going to ask, Hayley, has that is that has that been your experience since you started going there for you know in the, even in this Alex Ferguson sort of years? Yeah, because I I remember going to watch. I had a friend who worked um, at Liverpool 
football club and he invited me to go and watch a Champions League game and I was like whoa yeah it like yeah. blew my socks off very special nights at and I was really annoyed I was like I'm really peed off because this is this is really special and I was like oh I, I want that at United I want that at United I used to get jealous and I don't know whether because of the way that the kind of the Bernabeu new Camp and and even like the Allianz Arena the way that they are kind of in its circular form just kind of created a bit more of a cauldron don't know what it was but I, I used to think oh I'd, I, I want this at Manchester United and we did get it sometimes but not often enough for my mm. liking okay but Charlie anything anything for you that's not all that that you think I don't quite get the obsession I, I I've got so many things but probably not things <laughs> I can say on air because if I start I won't <laughs> stop and um, I was trying to wrap my brains actually for something a bit more recent but I, I really can't think of anything I don't think anything's annoyed me in the last couple of weeks enough sufficiently enough for me to I'm speak I'm going to suggest something <laughs> to you then um having done the circuit myself albeit not for many years but certainly um I've done a bit of time on it would be the press conference circuit and and, and in fact you could you could apply this to to many different press conferences but you know you you've certainly paid your dividends when it comes to this too Bashali I think the press conference setup needs a radical overhaul I think this bringing a manager out and a player sometimes and getting them to say sorry but for the most part the same old same old stuff just utterly bores me why do we need a question about how far you are away from the top or the bottom of the table or the European places? Why do we need that question every week? Why are we getting the same answers? Because we're asking the same questions as well sometimes. And I know that as a broadcaster, you are told, you know, first of all, ask about team selection, injuries, and it follows this, sorry, but boring pattern that we all have to subscribe to. We've all had to do it. But I think there should be some sort of radical overhaul of the press conference. I didn't like what I was getting season in, season out. So much so that when Sean Dyche or something said something slightly radical, we go absolutely do lally over it because just because it's different, not because it's a good point, but because it's different, because that's how in this conveyor belt of press conference, that's how much of a cycle we're in. I mean, this is part of your job, so you're not going to hot take it, are you? But do you do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I can certainly see from the manager's point of view as well. Sometimes they get asked the same questions every single weekend. And from my personal point of view, I really try and think of things outside the box, but not like ridiculous things outside the box. You know, you know, it's going to be like just absolutely silly. Um, but I try and think of like, tactical things a lot because I feel like, especially with the new generation, they really are into tactics. And I noticed that when sort of Conte came to the, uh, to, to the Premier League first with Chelsea and when he started playing the back three, Whenever you, I reported on what he was saying in the press conferences about the tactics, whenever he was asked about it, everyone went mad for it because I was a writer then. So we used to look at the audience mm. numbers for, for clicks, for example. And people used to love that kind of chat. I and mean, I would love nothing than to spend the press conference talking about tactics with a manager. Yeah. But unfortunately, it is one of those things where you get a certain number of questions per broadcaster. And there's always these other sort of storylines, maybe not about tactics, maybe about the feeling ahead of a game, which or always take move over. Or something else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean but I, I do think... try. Yeah, I do no, try to ask something I know. different. I think, I think my beef is that as broadcasters... And also writers, you know, also have their kind of huddle as well afterwards, but we're all getting the same lines. And so if you read any broadsheet, red top, and then go on to the broadcasters, by and large, you're sort of reading the same thing. And yeah. so for me, perhaps we should limit what broadcasters go into what press conferences or just mix it up a bit so that it's not, I mean, it's a, it's kind of 
I don't want to say a huge waste of time, but if, if, if everyone's saying the same things and everyone's got the same lines, what is the point? Is there a better way that we can do this where you're not all having to troop off to hear the same thing week in, week out? And especially you, you might hear from the same manager th- four times in one week if they've had a Sunday game there's a post-match interview there's a pre-match interview that has gone before that they'll do a midweek press conference they'll do another pre-match ahead of maybe another game in a different competition it kind of just all ends up just being that little bit too much I'm going to give you another one we'll just fire through a few VAR it's overrated it's getting too much attention just get over it and get on everyone sorry it's just another thing to moan about (laughs) there we go I've said it get over it it's there tough luck. The other thing I'm going to say is, and this is very family biased, I'd like to propose please a change to the football calendar. I think it should line up with the traditional summer holidays. So it restarts in September, not in August, with the season finishing a bit later. I think World Cups and Euros should be played in the month of August to give us a chance to all get properly involved without school and, you know, school nights and stuff getting in the way. So there we go. I'd like a change to the football calendar please anyone else any comment on those or Haley? is there anything else you want a hot take for me do you know what's quite exciting that there's going to be a world cup game the quarterfinals on my birthday this year oh, wow. nice i know right yeah. imagine that scotland in the quarterfinal of the world cup <laughs> <laughs> now that will be a bit different of course yeah this this definitely doesn't um apply to what's happening this year with Qatar. Um any other hot takes? Um any comment on my grief with with VAR and how everyone just pays it too much attention? I, I was actually going back to the original sort of Pierce Morgan David Beckham thing was kind of thinking of players that were overrated and the only reason I I stumbled across this particular player and this is kind of a bit of a when we have our any other business. This is almost a story that I think would fit into that section but do you remember Hulk? Do you yes. remember Hulk? Uh, yeah. The guy whose actually name was probably bigger than him when mm. you look at what he's achieved. He's got a cool name. He scores very spectacular goals, but he's actually not particularly brilliant. He's, a, he's an all right attacker. He scored 14 times in 46 appearances for Brazil, but he's he's kind of nowhere near the level of, you look at William and, and Coutinho. He's only played for Porto and Zenit St. Petersburg in Europe. So I don't think he's ever going to be considered a great footballer, but he he is quite often up there when they talk about the greatest footballers. But I think it's his name. It's his yeah, name that gives name. him that. The, the reason I mention this story, I know, is because so he has he had a wife of 12 years. Right. OK. He's now married to his wife's niece. What? 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 Exactly. Wow. Right. He's married to his niece. Yes. Oh, that's, that's, and that's weird. Isn't it weird? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Just, just Google it. All right. It's time for any other business now. Uh, the smaller or perhaps more underground stories from the week of football. Hayley... I'm bringing this into this conversation because I want your take on it. Gary Neville has said that he thinks he knows which Manchester United players are behind the disgusting, is uh, is the word he's used, leaks from the club's dressing room. This has been an ongoing story, hasn't there? We know that there's dissent among Rangnick's squad. Um, There were also reports as well that they'd given assistant coach Chris Armas uh, the nickname of Ted Lasso. 
Uh, yes. Um, but what do you think about this? Is this is this true? Is this what players are doing? And is Gary Neville right to say he thinks he knows who's behind the dissent at the club at the moment? I just think if anything, it's just disrespectful, isn't it? It's just disrespectful. And and if you've got opinions, keep them to yourself. I don't know who is leaking stuff, but I, th- I mean, I like Ted Lasso. I think it's a pretty cool <laughs> show. And, um, but you wouldn't really want to be compared to him, wouldn't you? And I think it's a real shame for Chris. And um, Oh, actually, I didn't realise Gary Neville had said it was downright disrespectful so yeah mm. the, the the same words that i'd use you just wonder if gary neville because he said he he knows who's well, he's instigating a pile on the leaks isn't he here for charlie as well he's basically saying i know who's behind this which automatically makes you think oh which of those players is it do you reckon he'll get in touch with the do you reckon he'll have a word with anyone at manchester united or is that just a very oh. public barb do you think for charlie is that his warning over a public forum to those players doing it. Do you know what, if he said that, he, he obviously does know, um, you know, who maybe has said what. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you get it in football. A lot of people just talk to their agents, they just talk to their friends, and all it takes is for one person to speak to someone in the media for that piece of information to come out. And it happens all mm-hmm. the time, I have to say. Obviously, when things are not going well on the pitch, it doesn't help things, does it? But if he's saying that, I believe him. Do you know, also, why would you want the embarrassment of that coming out? Like, if there's some things going on at Sky, and we've had a lot of change at the company, I, I wouldn't, because I work there and I'm proud to work there, I wouldn't want people knowing about certain things that were going on. You kind of just keep quiet just to mm. put on a front, wouldn't you? Nope, everything's absolutely fine. Well, it's, it's just giving somebody ammunition. It? Yeah, it is, it is professionalism at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Hayley, you're any other business, please. Okay, well, this is a fallout between, dun, 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 no, not that one, um, but the Wagatha Christie saga continues. We'll chat about that as the weeks go on. But this is a feud between um, Gerard Pique and Lionel Messi. Apparently, they've fallen out. Obviously, Barcelona told Messi that they basically couldn't afford to keep him. He went on a move to Paris Saint-Germain. It was a free transfer. He signed there for a couple of years. And then he since found out that Piquet had allegedly, who is his lifelong friend, gone to the club, gone to the powers that be and urged them to not pay Messi and to get rid of him for the sake of the club. Yeah. So things... Have emerged that yeah it's been a bit fractured between these two but Messi felt a bit deceived because he'd been advising those at the club to either cut down his wage packet or basically say goodbye but I think PK had just renewed a deal and PK had sorted himself <laughs> oh, out. Oh I see. This is this is the most two-faced of two-facedom right? I have shared a dressing room since I was 13 years old he's almost like a brother said Gerard Piquet when Messi left Barcelona. It was very hard on a sporting and personal level. This year, things have not started well in part because the best in history has left us. Guess what, Gerard? It was partly your fault. (laughs) Um, Quick one from me. Um, The Football Supporters Association um, has just launched its first really in-depth comprehensive survey, which is all about trying to collect uh, the experiences and attitudes of fans of women's football 
across a load of issues. So, for example, match day experiences, what they think of the new broadcast deal with Sky Sports and the BBC. They want to know how your club engages with its fan base on the pitch issues, competition structure. It's basically an open book and the surveys there and ready for anyone who supports a team in the women's game. That could be from the Super League to the National League and beyond. So if you're a fan of women's football, head over to the Football Supporters Association for details on taking part in that survey. As long as enough people get involved, that could be a really, really interesting view on where we are at the moment with the women's game and also where we need to take it as well. We need to be ambitious. Um, Vashani, what have you got? Yes, well, I'm just going to talk about Kieran Trippier uh, fracturing a bone in his foot. Um, Hayley mentioned the word fractured. Uh, yeah, he's fractured his bone. And what such bad timing. Shame. Such bad timing. I mean, obviously oh, he scored no. that amazing free kick, didn't he, against um, Aston Villa. And he scored against Everton. So he's contributed to goals. It feels like he's just lifted this team at a time where they needed to be lifted. They've moved away from the relegation zone. And now he could be out for an extended period of time. So that's a huge blow for Newcastle. I've got a bit of a quote of the week and uh, I love it when, you know, when you sort of say now, I don't mean to be offensive or I don't mean anything, <laughs> but... Bad, but not making any digs, it starts. Uh, this is Trent Alexander-Arnold on Man City, not uh... winning the Champions League, not making any digs. But you look at Man City's amazing team and they haven't been able to lift the Champions League. We've won both over the last few years. That's just a wind just up, isn't it? It's a hot take. There. I know. Well it's done, brilliant. Trent. I love Why it. not? Um, all right, we'll wrap it up there, ladies. We've reached the end of extra time in this podcast. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you as well to our listeners for your feedback about the show. If you want to tell us what you're liking or not liking, what you want more of, it's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can leave reviews on many of your favourite podcasting platforms as well. Uh, Vishali, what are you up to over the next few days? What does your week look like? Well, I've got the day off today. Um, so I'm going to be enjoying myself in the gym because I haven't been back to the gym for a oh. good couple of months. So it's not going to be a very good day, I imagine. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've got the Crystal Palace Chelsea game at the weekend, the, the pre-match press conferences for that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Exciting stuff. Hayley? Yeah, well, I'm heading to Dartford um, this evening to host a night with Tottenham legend Pat Jennings, Gary Mabbott, Graham Roberts and David Howell. So I'm going to have a, a bit of wow. fun there. Um, but then I have to get up ridiculously early to head back in and host a football show on Sky, which I'm really enjoying, I've got to add. But um, there's not much of a turnaround between getting home and then having to get out of bed again. <laughs> I feel like I'm those. back at the newborn stage just, of things. Just sleep with all your makeup on. It'll be fine. Change of <laughs> outfit. <laughs> Might not even change the outfit, Kate. So, no, it's true. Turn up, turn up in sparkles and glitter. But I'm really glad you're also enjoying some of your new stuff that you're up to on Sky Sports as well, Hayley. Vishali, it's been so lovely to be joined by you. Uh, we won't yeah. make it so long next time. That is my solemn promise to you. Um, Vishali Bardwaj, Hayley McQueen will speak to... Well, in fact, Hayley, you'll be back next week. Uh, Lindsay's mm-hmm. still going to be honeymooning, sunning herself, coming back with a ridiculous shade of brown in a few weeks' time. So until next week, listeners... Have a great week and we'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app.
The Athletic.